The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to another edition of BGN Radio. This is episode number 18. It may sound like a different voice, but this is John Stolness from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolness. You'll have to forgive me. I'm, I'm battling something of a, a chest cold or something going on here. So I'm going to Michael Kissed the podcast a little bit here today. I'm going to take you down to the lower registers, as Michael does. Maybe we need to use Michael's theme music. We'll, we'll leave that up to him. Uh, but uh, we got a bi-week special here for you. Uh, myself and the brains behind the operation, the great BLG Brandon Lee Gowton is joining me once again. BLG, welcome to BGN Radio, episode 18. How you doing, man? John, thank you. Uh, I, first of all, I think we all need this bye week because I've been sick. Uh, you clearly, you know, you have whatever you have going on. Michael Kist has some kind of shoulder thing going on. He's I tweeting saw about, that. Like, what is, oh, man. The BGN crew is just like, you know, we're, we're banged up too, apparently. So uh, I think we need to use this bye week to get better. That's what we'll mm. do after this podcast. We'll kind of have a nice weekend here to kind of just relax, hopefully, and watch some football, and then all get or get all ready for the second half of this Eagles season. I told him Fight Club was a bad idea, but he just didn't <laughs> want to listen. He just does his own thing. Michael Kiss likes to do his own thing, but uh, no, we got a great we got a great show lined up here for you. We're gonna get into where the injury stuff stands here with the Eagles coming up in a little bit. We've got the midseason report card. Now the Eagles season is officially halfway done. Uh, we'll take a look at the schedules for the NFC East teams coming up here over the next, all the teams except the Giants, because really, you know, who cares? Uh, and uh, we'll give you our picks. We'll do a couple extra games this week because we don't have an Eagles game to talk about. But uh, obviously, BLG, the main thing to talk about here to start off is you and I have not had a chance 
to discuss the Golden Tate trade. And I know Michael and Ben did a great job on the Kiston Solak show, breaking it all down, where Tate fits in on this year's team, where he fits in as far as the future is concerned, how, what it means for other wide receivers. But, um, you know, and so they broke down some, some really great X's and O's. Make sure you check out those podcasts. Uh, but, you know, for us, I, I think, you know, we'll start off by asking the very simple question. A third rounder, for Golden Tate, was it too much, BLJ? I don't think it's too much. Um, uh, it's it's a good question, right? Because there yeah. are um, when you look at this move, I think it's easy to be like, okay, you gave up a third round pick, which is very valuable considering the Eagles are going to be tight on cap space in the future for a player who. I mean, he, he probably doesn't make the difference between the Eagles winning the Super Bowl this year. Um, I said probably. I mean, there's a chance he does. But I just, you know, you look where the team is at. They're 4-4. Four and four. Uh, I think they currently have like a 21% chance of making the playoffs per football outsiders metrics. So it's not even an awesome chance. You know, you're 4-4 four and four, Washington's 5-2. and two. Uh, so they're in the division lead right now. So I mean, the and then the Eagles, you know, they ha- they have their work cut out for them in the second half of the schedule. So I think you can take the side of, you know, uh, it, it was too much to give up. But I think that's not my take on it. I think my take is when you are four and four, you're at the bye here, and you have this opportunity to make a run in front of you because you have five division games. You have games against the Saints. And the Rams, which are very big games, obviously, I think. And most importantly of all, when you have a quarterback like Carson Wentz, who is playing as well as he is. And look, you know, some some people are, I feel like, weirdly down on Carson Wentz. Like, that's crazy. Like that's the, crazy. The fumbles, I get like that's that's a mild concern to me. It's not a major issue. I know he's had, what, like six losses in seven games here. I think that's a little bit, you know, like I don't think I look at that and like, oh, man, that's going to sink the season. I think that's kind of just something that's been an issue but will kind of work itself out. And, and like, I'll, I'll take those fumbles considering how good his passing numbers are. So, and by uh, the way, Aaron Rodgers was a very big fumbler earlier yeah. in his career because both were playmakers. They they waited yeah. too long. They were trying to make plays in the pocket. Yeah, like it, it, yes, you can be frustrated with Carson Wentz fumbling, but then like you also if that's the case, you also have to look at those big plays he makes when he's extending the play and holding onto the ball and take those too. I mean, you know, you have to take the good with the bad. So, right. but the overall point there just being, I think he's playing at such a high level and he's shown that that's not just a fluke. You know, this is something he obviously did in 2017 before he got hurt that, you know, like he can get hot. And and I think based around that, this team can go on a run late in the season. I mean, we've seen plenty of things that should give you legitimate pause, especially, you know, the offensive line is banged up here and, you know, Lane Johnson could potentially miss a month. You know, the secondary allows too many big plays. Like there are issues here. I'm not I'm not trying to make it seem like there aren't, but I think the overall point is when you have a quarterback who can potentially be elite, like I think Carson Wentz can be, I think the Eagles are allowed to delude themselves a little bit. Now, this would be like a different case, you know, if they had Sam Bradford right. or someone or even Nick Foles at this point in the season, like starting for the rest of the year, and then they're making this trade when it's like, okay, they clearly don't have a real chance to contend. So I think, you know, given that they they have a prayer, at least of a chance to compete with Carson and you have a you're getting a player who directly helps him, which is sure. like 
how can that ever really be too much of a bad thing considering, you know, he is the franchise and what did we say? Like, what, what, was, what has been one of this team's biggest issues this year? We've been saying they don't make enough big plays and Golden Tate isn't your traditional, you know, like deep threat guy that would have been great to get. Like if, you know, the Eagles could have gotten Deshaun Jackson, that would have been great, but clearly he wasn't available. So what, what did they get? Probably one of the next best things they could have in that regard. And a guy who makes big plays after the catch, literally like the best player in the NFL at that right now, like production wise, like think about that. They didn't just get like a, a solid player. They got a guy who is elite in a certain category. That was a big need. So when I look at it like that, and this is a long-winded answer. I think it's an, a totally an acceptable trade. It's a little rich, I guess I would say, for my taste. Like, if this is a 2019 fourth, I think it's kind of like a, an amazing trade, a great trade, a perfect trade. It, yeah. the, the third rounder makes it sting a little bit, but the fact that you could potentially get that compensatory pick back, you know, or not really back, but you know, you get something back on the. It's not like pennies on the dollar. It's probably like two quarters on the dollar, maybe, uh, depending what kind of comp pick you get back in twenty twenty if he signs to the, the team next year. Uh, and then just at, like at a very basic like fan level, it's just fun. Like it, it's gonna the, yeah. the team's gonna be more fun now, and I'm all for that. Like here's the thing. Like I know we're we're always gonna break down moves here from like you know quote unquote objective standpoint, you know, and um you know we get into the analysis of it. But sometimes you just want to be a fan and you want to have fun. And Golden Tate yeah. makes this team more fun, and we're all gonna have to watch this team for eight more games. So anything that makes them more fun, maybe yes, there's gonna be a cost of the future. But you know, I'm gonna take my time and enjoy it right now. You know, I gotta say, it didn't occur to me until just now, but. You know, I'm a baseball guy as well as being an Eagles guy, and I, I host the Hit and Season podcast for The Good Fight, and, you know, we were talking a lot during the trade deadline in baseball when the Phillies were buyers, and they were in first place when they were buying different players, and, you know, some of these guys that they were buying, I didn't know if they were really going to make the difference or anything, but it was fun, just like you said. It was fun to be a buyer at the trade deadline. If you're an Eagles fan, like you said, you, you should be allowed to delude yourselves a little bit. You are the defending world champions, and you still have a lot of talent on this roster. A third to me is a lot. I was really hoping that it would be nothing more than a fourth because I'm not convinced that this team can match up with the Rams or the Saints or even the, even the Vikings at this point, given the way the Vikings beat the Eagles earlier this year. But they I, this team is going to get some guys back, which we're going to talk about here in just a few minutes as well. I will note the difference between third and fourth rounders in, in recent Eagles drafts is is pretty eye-opening. I was I was looking this up because I thought initially it would be a fourth, and looking at the past fourth-round picks, Avante Maddox from from this year looks to be a pretty good pick, but uh, you had Josh Sweat in the fourth round. Last year, Matt Collins and Donnell Pumphrey in the fourth <laughs> round. They had no fourth-round pick in 2016 or 15. In 2014, they drafted Jalen Watt. Watkins in the fourth round. Uh, the, in, 19, in 2013, they drafted Matt Barkley in the fourth round. Uh, Brandon Boykin was in the fourth round in 2012. He was a decent defensive player, um, but, you know, not a star. Alex Henry and Casey Matthews in the fourth round in 2011. Ugh. So, again, these are not big-name players, but when you look in the third round, you see you see some some better talent. Curtis Marsh, okay, no, not in 2011, but Vinnie Curry. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Nick Foles, obviously in 2012. Weird, weird one there. Weird one to, to judge. Yeah, that one is kind of weird to judge. We have <laughs> Benny, Benny Logan the next year in 2013 was a productive player for a few years. 
Josh Huff was trash, 2014. We'll just move on past that. Yeah. But Jordan Hicks in 2015 is a star. Mm-hmm. Uh, Isaac Ciamalo, again, an up-and-down guy, but he's providing some good... Starter, yeah, right now. Yeah, starter for you right now. In the third round in 2016, Razul Douglas in 2017. Can't get on the field, mm-hmm. but has looked okay when he's been out there this year. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, so... Again, I think there's a little bit more value when you're talking about that third round pick. Obviously, it's a round higher, but even in recent Eagles drafts, you've gotten nothing from that fourth round pick, basically. Whereas with the third round, you've you got a Super Bowl winning quarterback out of it, an All Pro caliber linebacker, and some other pretty good pieces. Yeah, that's that's again, that's what the the uh, I think the the difference right there. If, if it had just been a fourth, I think it kind of would have been a no brainer, but it wasn't. And I think Howard Roseman, you know, he he said it very bluntly. It was like, uh, it just the price is what it was at a certain yeah. point, and like it's like either we're getting this guy and we're not, or we're not. So, um, did Am- hey, did Amari Cooper screw up the the compensation? Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yeah, he kind of had did. to, right? <laughs> I mean, for for the whole league. I mean, maybe I'm not gonna say like the Cowboys were actually secret geniuses here, but it's like maybe maybe that was the unintended consequence of trading. I think that's dumb. You, still, you shouldn't. It hurts give, them more than us. But yeah, yeah I get what you, you're saying. You shouldn't give up something so much that it's like, oh, we're just gonna screw the whole trade market by giving up way too much. I mean, that's still stupid because you gave up way too much. But um, it, it I think it definitely did. I mean, because I think it. it just for trades that didn't even happen. Like, you know, you look at like the Patrick Peterson whole thing. Like how could the Cardinals possibly trade Patrick Peterson for anything less than a first at that point? If, if Amari Cooper is getting oh, a absolutely. first. Like, like so it kind of did throw things out of whack and it probably raised it. But I mean, even still you look at that, I mean, you bring up Amari Cooper. I mean, like, would you rather give up a first for Amari Cooper who, you know, is obviously under contract for the rest of this year. And then he has that fifth year option next year. Although it's at a high cap number, so like you're you're and he's only 24, so yeah. you know he's young and he has upside in theory, but also he's just not as good of a player as Golden Tate. No, like if you're looking for immediate value, I mean, and you look at the fact that the Eagles only had to give up a third, and you know they're going to get a compensatory pick back. Like that's another again part of the equation there where the Cowboys aren't because Cooper's on his fifth year option here. So right, right, right. Year. Um, so, and they're probably going to try to, I would imagine, try to sign him long term, you know, so I think you put it in perspective. And then you also look at, again, at the, um, uh, the Demarius Thomas trade, which is a, like a fourth and swap of sevenths, I believe. And, you know, again, if, if I'm the Eagles, I'd, I'd rather have Golden Tate for third yeah. than Demarius contracts or Demarius Thomas's mm. awful contract. And the ability he brings, which I don't even know what really it is at this point, especially when you're dealing like Alshon, don't need that. So I'm right. I'm 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 excited. I'm legitimately excited to watch Golden Tate. You know, I have a, a Lions fan friend, so I kind of I'm, I'm probably a little bit more tuned into the Lions than your average Eagles fan. I wouldn't say I'm an expert on them, but you know, I have a little bit more of an eye on them because of that. So, mm-hmm. and I know he's made some big plays, and I love I love that. You know, he against the Cowboys this year, earlier this season, he had a big, huge game against them. And the way he's, I, I think Eagles fans are really going to love him. Just the, it, it, might, it might even, you know, only be these eight games, but just like the swagger he plays with, you know, you again, you look at that Cowboys game, he's like taunting Cowboys players as he's oh, running beautiful. into the end zone. It's great. Like, if he does that here, and let me tell you, he will. <laughs> It'll oh, be yeah. awesome. I, I, so I'm just really looking forward to that. 
I think, um, you know, you don't want to base your the whole entire trade around it. But when you look at the bonus factors, like he's going to be, I think, a great addition for this locker room. Uh, that's a nice little bonus too. So very, mm-hmm. very impressive. Uh, his first press conference and everything. I'm just, I'm really looking forward to watching him play. But the locker room was really important last year too. So it's great to get a guy who can add to the locker room as opposed to, you know, if they'd gone out and gotten Shady McCoy or somebody like that, or, you know, even, who knows, it, it might not have been as good a fit. So um, I'm excited about it. And I, I kind of wonder what this means for, uh, the, the, the snap count moving forward. I mean, this is a team that played a lot of two tight end sets here through the first half of the season. Do you think we're going to see more three wide receiver sets now moving forward? Or is it going to be some combination of empty backfield, two tight end, three wide receiver? I mean, obviously this gives Doug Peterson and this would move would not have been made if Doug Peterson, I don't think had an idea how he was going to be able to use Tate in coordination with all of his other players. But what do you think this means for player usage, for the rest of for the second half of the season. Well, we know Doug Peterson does love his 11 personnel. Um, the Eagles were one does. of the best teams, I think, last year in running out of three wide receiver sets, you know, spread it out and then run. So um, that's certainly something that you might be able to do a little bit more now with that. Uh, I think overall, I mean, obviously, Alshon isn't going to be impacted. Um, the big thing is Nelson. Like, how is Nelson Aguilar's role going yeah. to change? Not only in just in terms of the playing time, but usage. Like, are we going to see him more outside? Uh, maybe we should because he hasn't really done much at the line of scrimmage this year. You know, when the Eagles are trying to to get to the ball to him there and make guys miss, he just hasn't been that kind of guy. He hasn't had that great of a year. And meanwhile, when we've seen him get d- deeper down the field on some of these opportunities, I mean, we saw it against the Jaguars even this just this past week, and that was great to see. Get yeah. to see a little bit more effective in that way. So. Um, that'll be interesting. I mean, it, it certainly pushes Jordan Matthews down the depth chart after him having the, the you know the best game of his season and one of the better games in his career, honestly, so far. Um, and then it's interesting too because I don't know for sure, and we'll touch on this a little bit more if Mike Wallace comes back. But then uh, you have to consider how that plays into things too. Um, but for now, I mean, I think, I think it's simple as you're just, you're getting an offensive weapon and I'm very confident in Doug Peterson's ability to incorporate him here. And it should be fun because um, just to, and very important too, and talking about, you know, what are some of the biggest concerns with this team still going into the second half again, like Lane Johnson could be out for a month, apparently with this, uh, what, what's being called, I guess, an MCL tear or sprain whatever it is, uh, some kind of knee issue. So that'll be concerning. The Eagles protection in theory will be much be, you know, a concern. So to have a guy who you can get the ball to out quick and then have him make plays as opposed to, okay, let's, you know, drop Carson back and have him hold on to the ball and, and hope someone can get open deep. Uh, you know, now you can, you can still go with this quick passing offense and still hope mm-hmm. to generate some big plays out of it. So, you know, I, I do think we're going to see, I mean, you traded for golden Tate, so you better use them a lot. So I think we're going to see a, yeah. uh, a lot of 11. I think we're just going to see, I think, I think he's going to see a lot of targets too, because he should, I mean, again, yeah. you traded for him, get some use out of him. Yeah, and I think that, and obviously that means maybe a little bit less Dallas Goddard, but um, 
certainly you got Tate. You want to use him, and you only have him for eight games because, like you said, he is a free agent at the end of the year. They do have Nelson Aguilar on that fifth-year contract, but they could, as you've heard Ben and Mike talk about on their podcast as well, they they could let Nelson go and, and decide to try and keep Golden Tate, but you know, obviously you're going to have to see how this all plays out here over the over the next few weeks, whether or not Tate is a fit. I mean, it's it sure seems like he's going to be a fit, and I am, you know, we knew that the team, well, we, at least we suspected after the win against the Jaguars on Sunday that Howie Roseman was going to make some kind of a move. It was just a matter of would he get himself a running back? Would he try and get himself some help on the defensive line, maybe in the secondary or at wide receiver? He went with wide receiver, BLG, but no help was added at the running back position. So it looks like for the remainder of the year, we're going with Corey Clement, who has underwhelmed here this year, again, playing with some injuries. Wendell Smallwood, who is extremely limited in his effectiveness and his ability. And Josh Adams, he's a guy who showed some ability last week against Jacksonville, but again, is is unproven. So, you know, it's it's a backfield that could have used some help. I guess the thinking here is we're just going to pass all the time and we're not really going to focus on the run game as much. I, I, you know, I, I hope people remember how many big plays the running game ripped off last year, how many long runs Jay Ajayi had, even, even uh, LeGarrette Blunt had some big running plays during the course of the season last year. Some of those big plays last year came from running backs running the ball out of the backfield. Clearly something is up there and Corey is, he is averaging uh, one, 0.0 yards per carry in his last 12 attempts. He has 12 rushing attempts in the last two games for, for 12 yards. I mean, that's not very good. And like, it's not just the offensive line because when you look at the other players, like Wendell Smallwood isn't producing awesome, but he's at least at like three yards per carry. And he's had some important runs like he did to ice the game against the Jaguars on that second and nine where he runs for 10 yards. And that was just, you know, a really good play by him to, to fight through contact and get that first down. And then again, Josh Adams, undrafted rookie free agent. I mean, he's coming out and he's been the most efficient runner on this team yeah. in the past two games. And it's a small sample size and he had that fumble and he's kind of limited in his usage because it's not like you're going to put him out there and the defense is like, oh man, are they going to throw it to Josh Adams? I mean, they did last week and he had a six yard game, but you know, that's not going to be like the usual. It's not like they're going to give Josh Adams like five targets in the passing game in a single game. So um, it's interesting because we had heard the Eagles, you know, were looking into running backs and not just Le'Veon Bell and LeSean McCoy, some names behind the scenes as well. So it's definitely a position they were looking into, um, with Clement being disappointing. I mean, you have to, right? I mean, like, I don't, I, I hope he's hurt basically, because if, if, yeah. you know, like, if this is who he is, then that's a big concern. And I'm holding out hope that's, you know, that's not the case, but it's just, it's not really encouraging right now. Uh, I'm still not a big Wendell Smallwood believer. I don't know how you can be. He's been no. fine. It's just like you're not going to get anything special out of him, just in my opinion. And again, he's only averaging like three yards per carry here in, in these past two games. Like you're, It's just not. And more than that, it's just, again, like the, the thing that gets me with him is, you know, you'll see these big holes open up for him at times. And he just turns 20 yard gains into like five yard gains. It's just it's frustrating. You're not getting that big play with him. So well, he's a he's a fifth round pick for crying yeah, out loud. He, I mean, he this is, is not is. a guy. He's fine. Yeah. He's not like I'm not saying he sucks, but like he's just he's fine. He is what he is. He, he's not a needle mover by any means. Um, and to to count on him more than that, just that's frustrating to me. Like he just he is what he is. Let's call it like it is. And Josh yeah. Adams, I mean, 
I don't think, you know, I think I kind of joke when I say he's running back one. But I mean, if he's going to produce like this, get him some carries. Uh, against the Giants a couple of weeks ago, he didn't play at all. Like, let's not do that. If he's going to be productive, get him in there, and, and let's see if he can continue to do that. I mean, the the biggest X factor, I guess, here is obviously, you know, how does Darren Sproles impact things? Is he going to get back? Dude, I, f- I forgot all about Darren exactly. Sproles. And you yeah. should, because he's yeah. played since week one. Um, I had kind of seen it floated out there. Uh, I don't remember who said this, but they were the Eagles kind of feel like, uh, they've been holding him out intentionally thinking like, Hey, let's not rush him back. Let's legitimately get him back healthy. Like, let's not, you know, let's not force him to come back and work through this hamstring issue. And then he's, you know, he's trying to play on a bad hamstring and then he's just out for the year. Like, let's try to get it right. And hopefully I guess he can potentially, uh, be ready after this bye week And that would be a big boost, I think, to the backfield. I know, John, you and I have talked about it, how people kind of like, oh, the offense is better without him. I mean, not really. Not to yeah. me. I mean, I, I've seen that's not the case. I, I'd rather him get some more touches than, you know, give him to Corey Clement, who's not doing anything right now, or, or Wendell Smallwood, who still isn't super impressive. So if you get him back, you know, and if he can, he doesn't even need to be like, you know, vintage Darren Sproles. He can just be like, give you some some juice here and there. And we saw that against the Falcons in week one, where, like one of the more, I think, underrated plays of the season late in that game when uh, Foles threw to him short of the sticks and he made a couple guys miss and got a key first down. Like, that's all we need out of him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And hopefully this hamstring will get better. And now with the bye week, he's had two full, and you know, another extra week to recover. Hopefully this is just kind of what they were waiting for. But uh, we'll wait and see how that all shakes out. Um, let's just talk about a couple other teams here at the trade deadline. Um uh, we saw the Redskins get an already good defense. They got another weapon, haha Clinton Dix, to play safety for them. Um, obviously, the Eagles were kind of sniffing around the secondary market, but um, the Redskins went out and uh, ended up getting haha Clinton Dix. Was it for a fourth rounder? I think it yeah. was, or yeah, fourth rounder for Clinton Dix. You know, it's kind of interesting. I have kind of the the, the defense points wise has been doing a pretty good job this year. It's when they've been giving up points. That has been Mm -hmm. the big problem for this team. And in sports, I know that you look at the you look at the final stats and you say, well, the numbers are what the numbers are. But really, how you go about accumulating the stats are sometimes as important as the stats themselves. And so I was just thinking, would you rather have strengthened your secondary especially the safety position with a guy like HaHa Clinton Dix for a fourth rounder? Would that have been more beneficial to the team than improving with Golden Tate at wide receiver for a third rounder? I'm not so sure I wouldn't have rather had Clinton Dix for a fourth rounder, but, you know, it's probably six and one half dozen in the other. It's definitely a trade that interests me uh, if, if the Eagles yeah. had given up a fourth for HaHa. Now, it's kind of tough. Like, let's be real, or at least I'll be real. Like, I haven't seen HaHa Clinton Dix play a ton this year. Like, I can't me tell either. you. Uh, but from what I can tell, and uh, there's kind of a disagreement here. I mean, like, PFF apparently has him as their second greatest safety. So that's good, I guess. But then you look at Packers beat writers and they're like, no, he's actually been pretty bad this year. And, you know, he's made some plays. Yeah. But he's also blown assignments and it's been really bad in some regards. So uh, that's kind of interesting to see. And we'll see how that goes. It's interesting because the Eagles were interested in Ha Clinton Dix back in 2014, the Marcus Smith draft. He was one of those, I think it was six players that they wanted 
uh, like it was Haha Clinton Dix, it was um, uh, C.J. Mosley, it was Kyle Fuller, it was Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, I forget a couple of the other names in there, but it was like a group of guys that they wanted at pick. I think what, what they had like twenty one or twenty two that year, and then yeah. they were all gone. Uh, Haha specifically went like a pick or two before the Eagles got. Uh, a chance to draft him there. I think Brandon Cooks was in there too. Uh, the Packers had, I think, traded up for him. So uh, the Eagles were interested in back then. Uh, so I don't, you know, I don't know if that was Chip because he was still around. I don't know if that was Howie. So you would think, you know, my point there is that you would think uh, they might have made a move for him if that was the case and if they were still super high in him and they knew they could get him for a fourth. But I just think it really says, uh, I think it speaks to their confidence in Avante Maddox. I think like the coaching staff has clearly praised him time and time again, and it's not empty words. Like They, they truly mm-hmm. believe in him, and I think that's good. And look, Avante Maddox made arguably you know one of the biggest plays of the season when he yeah. tackled um, Keelan Cole. You know, did a great job of putting getting low, getting putting his helmet on the ball and forcing that thing out. I mean, that set up that was huge because that set yeah, up the Dallas right touchdown. Yeah, uh, another rookie from the 2008 draft class to make yep. a huge play, and that really like that to, the game was almost kind of like you know it, it, I don't want to say it was won, but it was shifted right there. It was huge. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, I think they they really like him. And, you know, they they have some issues and injuries in the secondary, again, as we'll get to here. But um, I'm not going to, like, totally kick myself for that. But it is kind of – it was a little frustrating to see that, to be honest, because it's like, okay, we get this – all right, we got Golden Tate. And then it's like, oh, man, uh, Washington yeah. got a little better, too, at the deadline. And, you know, they're obviously already head of the Eagles in the standing. So that was a little bit annoying to see. But it's kind of interesting how all four NFC East teams made a trade, you know, like with the Giants uh, selling off Eli Apple – and Damon Harrison, and then mm-hmm. you know the Cowboys giving up uh, the first, which is still very dumb. Amazing. Cooper, and then the Eagles making their move, and Washington making their move. So there's there's an NFC East arms race here, and obviously the Giants a little bit different because they're in sellers mode. Yeah, one team is losing arms, the other teams are all trying to get <laughs> some more. Way to put um, it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And um, I want to talk about the Browns real quick uh, at the a little bit later on in the podcast, but, uh, the Browns had an interesting week as well, but, um, we, we were just talking about the secondary a little bit. Let's just talk about kind of where the Eagles stand on the injury front, because we're in the bye week. We're not getting the practice, you know, who's, who's been in practice, who hasn't been in practice this week because the players have the week off. So we're not really getting regular updates on the status of certain players, but we did find out Jalen Mills could be out for potentially a few games with an injured ankle. Um, and you know, it's, I, th- I think I saw tonight that he's uh, walking around in a walking boot or something like that with a limp oh, that really? does not. Yeah. I, I forget who tweeted that Is out. That the but, Sixers? Uh, I guess he's at the Sixers team. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Right. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. Somebody tweeted out that they saw him in a, a walking boot kind of limping around. So who knows? I mean, that just could be, you know, Twitter reporters, but, right. uh, at the very least, it certainly doesn't sound like Mills is, you know, ready to jump back into the fray. Who knows what it'll be like in time for the Cowboys game in a couple of weeks, but uh, it's looking like they could be without Jalen Mills for a little while, which, again, you're dealing with a secondary here where you're already trying to figure out how to deal with a bunch of injuries. You've got Sidney Jones, who has missed the last couple of games. Do you know, do, where, do, where do things stand here with the secondary with Mills and Sidney Jones and, and the rest of the puzzle they're trying to put together? Yeah, I mean, Ian Rappaport had said that Jalen Mills is considered week to week from what he heard. And I think we have to take that with a grain of salt because yeah, of injury reporting has kind of been uh, – and just reporting in general. And I'm not trying to pick on Ian here. I'm just 
like calling it for what it is. Like some of it's just been wrong. So uh, we'll see. Right. I think, you know, for hearing that specific designation week to week, you know, is vague. But he probably heard that, you know, like we know the Eagles coaching staff, especially Doug, used, likes to use that term. So I'm assuming he had heard that from, you know, Eagles internal sources. And if that's the case, that miss, that means uh, Jalen Mills is going to miss at least one game because that's usually what that week to week designation means. It usually mm-hmm. means multiple games. So uh, if that's the case, that means I, I, I assume Rizal Douglas will be starting on the outside. But you have to consider what if uh, Sidney Jones is able to come back right after the bye, which I don't know for sure. We don't have a good indication on that because right. he was also described as week to week back when he first got hurt after the Giants game. So Sidney Jones might not be ready, but if he is, it'll be interesting because maybe it's him on the outside in base defense, and then you're shifting him into nickel uh, as a slot corner, and then you could have Brazil come in to play the outside in those situations. So I'll be I'll be really interested to see what that configuration looks up or looks like because <clears throat> if you don't get uh, Sidney Jones back, then all of a sudden you have Dexter McDougal, who looks like a guy who got signed off the street playing nickel. Uh, as your slot corner, you have a rookie safety, you know, who and Avante Maddox, who's playing out of position on the back end. And then you have Rizal Douglas, your backup cornerback, starting on the outside all of a sudden. So uh, that'll right. be not the best potential configuration you could have there. So hopefully uh, the big thing is there. If, if Sydney can come back, that would be that'd be pretty important uh, for that that lineup there. It sounds like, you know, Mills will be back at some point. It doesn't sound like it's season ending clearly if it's week to week, mm-hmm. but uh, we shall see here. The, the Eagles certainly have more configuration and, and lineup things to work through there. Absolutely. And one name, one name that we heard kind of get floated around uh, this week by Howard Eskin, when the team traded for Tate, they waived defensive tackle, Bruce Hector, which you know, if you're looking at the roster and they release a defensive tackle, he mentioned the fact that maybe we could be nearing a return from Timmy Jernigan at some point this year. What are you thinking about? I mean, it didn't, it kind of felt like Jernigan, what Jernigan's was basically kind of persona non grata for this year. And, yeah. you know, that, but now it, I don't know, is there starting to be a little bit of a, a groundswell that maybe we might see him again here in 2018? I mean, it's pretty interesting that Howard Eskin would say there's a good chance. Like, I mean, yeah, that's pretty that's guess, strong. Yeah, that's strong. It's not like, oh, maybe he'll be back. Uh, he did say it was a quote unquote possibility. So he kind of, I feel like he hedged a little at the end there. But I mean, that would be huge. If you could get Tim Jernigan back on this team, uh, that'd be a pretty big deal. So uh, I, I sure hope it's true, but it's hard for me to count on it just because, you know, everything we've heard behind the scenes hasn't been very optimistic. Uh, I mean, he's been at practice, not practicing, but he's been out there. So, you know, maybe that's a good sign. I don't know. It's very hard to tell. All this Tim Jernigan situation has kind of been a really a big mystery. I mean, honestly, we still don't even know how he got hurt. So yeah. like, this whole thing has been like a big kind of, and I've always said like, you kind of almost have to treat it like, like money in your pocket. Like, you know, don't expect it to be there. If you get it great. Awesome. What a good surprise. But uh, I just don't think you, you'll be able to count on it. The only thing I can go back to uh, the only timeline we got was when he had first gotten hurt and Schefter had said, I think four to six months, and that was back around May. So, uh, we're, or 
you know, we're that's in, about we're, six months yeah, right we're now. in November yeah. now. Yeah. So maybe we are approaching that point. Uh, that would be huge. The only thing I'm a little skeptical of here is that uh, when you're on NFI, Wake he is, you're eligible to start practicing in week seven. As soon as week seven, that doesn't mean you have to start practicing then. But you get this 21-day window where a player can start practicing, and then at any point within that window, you can activate them, or if the window expires, you shut them down for the season. So uh, that window hasn't started, you know, clearly, because Jernigan hasn't returned to practice. So it would be kind of weird to me if all of a sudden, like, all right, he's back right before the Cowboys game. Like, I don't, I don't. I would just be very surprised if that was the case, but maybe potentially he returns to practice leading up yeah. to the Cowboys game, which then means he would have a couple weeks to kind of get back and gear up and get into shape a little bit here before maybe returning later in November. I think that's like, to me, that's, that is the realistic best outcome. But like, if you could get him back, that'd be huge because right yeah. now this roster uh, this defensive line, the only defensive tackles on the, the roster right now are Fletcher Cox, uh, Hello Dinata, who came back, which is good to see against the Jaguars, and then yeah. Trayvon Hester. And then um, I'm sure they'll try to bring Bruce Be- Hector back to the practice squad. Um, they still have Winston Craig on the practice squad. So um, they have guys down the line there. But, you know, you lost Derek Barnett. And the way I think one of the underreported or one of the things we're not really talking about, uh, about a lot coming out of that game is – the Eagles didn't really move Josh Sweat up the the pecking order. He still only played four defensive snaps. So what that means? Mm. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm losing my voice <laughs> too. Um, oh is boy, that um, they just played everyone else more. Like Chris Long, Michael Bennett, Brandon Graham, they all saw more workloads, and that's concerning because they're older players. Yeah, and this. The strength of this defensive line, in part, is supposed to be they can rotate these guys and have them be fresh. Um, that wasn't the case against the Jaguars. They kind of just gave every all the vets more playing time. If you can get Timmy Jernigan in here, all of a sudden that kind of takes the burden off of you know guys like Michael Bennett and Brandon Graham having to play in the interior. So it would be, and then just the fact that Jernigan, assuming even he's the same player after this injury, which we don't know for sure. But if he can come back and he can be a guy who pushes the pocket from the interior, I mean, I, that's like that's awesome to have that, to yeah. have him, to have Fletcher Cox in there, make creating, creating problems for the other offenses like that. Like, that would be huge. I'm, again, I'm not like – I wouldn't say count on it, but the fact that uh, there is some kind of, some kind of uh, optimism or it's being talked about – you know, I think it it's fair to get like a little bit hopeful about it. Yeah, the fact that it's not that it's a non-zero chance, uh, I think, definitely leads one to be a little bit optimistic about it. But again, certainly nothing you can count on. And last thing on the injury front, uh, we're coming up on the time when the Eagles will have to make a decision on their guys who are on injured reserve whether or not to they can activate any two of those players. And right now. It's looking like uh, the first two that they'll have to make a, have to make a decision on is tight end Richard Rodgers and uh, wide receiver Matt Collins, uh, and then a little bit after that Mike Wallace. So basically, two of those three guys the Eagles could pull off because any player on IR starting in Week Nine wouldn't be able to play again in the regular season. With the addition of Golden Tate, one would think that one of those wide receivers, either Hollins or Mike Wallace might be in some trouble, although I could also envision a scenario, BLG, where if you're going to play a lot more three wides, maybe you don't need three tight ends. And so do you end up looking at which guy will work better for you on special teams and making your selection that way? 
Yeah, it's it's an interesting decision. So before we get even into like who they're going to activate, um, uh, as far as eligibility goes, Mac Hollins and Richard Rodgers are going to be they're eligible to come off like right now. Like they've missed the eight games that have been required uh, for them to come off the IR list. So if the Eagles wanted to, they could you know activate them leading up to this Cowboys game here. Um, a little bit of an interesting thing that I guess I had forgot about was that these players can actually return to practice six weeks after, so after six games. So we oh. haven't seen that quite yet. Um, but at the same time, if they do that, you like, if once they return to practice, that means you've designated them to return. Like you can't have them practice yeah. and then like, they're not like, that's the, the you're making the decision at the point. So I think the Eagles are kind of like holding off on here because I don't think they want to commit too early, you know, right. Cause like, what if. God forbid, you know, a tight end suffers an injury. Well, then all of a sudden you're going to need to activate Richard Rodgers. But right. maybe, you know, if it's everything's looking fine there and you know they're not looking as good a receiver, then you activate Matt Collins. So I think they're kind of like holding on pretty much into the last possible moment they can to activate that. And I think that's a good idea. I think that's fine. But um, so it's those two guys who are eligible to be activated this week. And we did hear Doug Peterson mention. I think I think he mentioned Richard Rodgers first, actually, when he was asked about these players ready to return. And then he mentioned Mac. And then he he said Mike Wallace is a little bit further off. Uh, I don't know if that meant in terms of his actual injury recovery, or also just the fact that he got hurt after those guys. But it was only like a week after he only got hurt in the week two game. Right. So um, I think he's eligible to come back after week ten in okay. that case. Um, so that's still he's still a little bit away here, but he should be eligible to practice now because he's missed six games. So we'll see. Like he, and potentially he could be back if he's healthy enough, which I don't know, but he could be in theory uh, if they want to designate him. And they've kind of talked about that. The coaching staff has mm-hmm. been and we've seen that reports, too, that the their team is kind of optimistic about Mike Wallace. And even with getting Tate, I don't think that necessarily rules him out because like you still need that vertical guy. And Tate is, yeah. you know, that guy and Mike Wallace is so. Uh, I think you can still kind of we'll, we'll see on that one. For we don't know for sure, but the fact that it sounds like they're going to get two of those three guys back for sure is still a good sign. Because even if it's not Wallace and it's Mac Hollins, I mean Mac has some deep playability, and like you said, he helps out in special teams. I mean, I know that's not like mm-hmm. the most exciting thing, but it's true. So it's important. It's yeah. a nice little bonus. So we'll see here. Um, I still don't know for sure. I don't really have like a great sense right now, but I think. Uh, those those three guys are clearly the options. And I think after the buy here, uh, we should have a better idea of where those things stand. All right. Well, let's um, let's kind of move on. And now we're midseason. Let's one of the fun things to do is always give a midseason report card. And we'll kind of we'll knock these out quickly here. BLG, because we want to get to the NFC East schedules looking ahead, kind of see maybe who has the easiest, who has the roughest schedule moving forward in the NFC East. And we'll give you some picks. I have uh, five games that I pulled out. So uh We'll we'll do that, but uh, let's just let's just knock out some grades here for uh, for the Eagles here through the first half of the season. And I, you know, first one we got to talk about is Carson Wentz. You know, his accuracy is the best it's ever been. He's on pace for thirty touchdowns and five interceptions this year. He missed the first couple of games of the season because of the injury, but has come back looking like the type of quarterback we were hoping we would see. You know, you were kind of hoping last year wasn't a fluke to me. I don't think I don't see any other grade for Carson Wentz that makes sense. Anything else other than I would say give him a B plus at this point. The only reason why he's not in A territory is because of the fumbles. What do you think? I would give him an A just because I get the fumbles. 
uh, and you look at those and that's frustrating, but you just look at his supporting cast and the fact that he's also coming off an ACL injury and for him to look as good as he does, despite all of that, to me, that oh, was, yeah. that's what bumps it up because I don't think that gets talked about enough. Like he, like we're, we're comparing all these guys like Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goff and all these young quarterbacks, like those guys are in great situations. They have a ton of offensive oh my weapons. Gosh, yeah. Like, and for Carson to be in the mix with those guys, despite you know some of the adversity he's had to deal with, and again, those guys aren't coming off ACL injuries either. So, to me, it's an A. I was going to say A minus for Carson, but I was like, you know what? No, because Carson Wentz is the second quarterback in NFL history with at least thirty pass attempts and a passer rating of at least one hundred and fifteen for consecutive games, and the other one is Peyton Manning in 2012 so you look at a lot yeah. of these numbers and the context that he's in i think he's been very impressive and i'm going to give carson in a all right uh let's look at the running backs um obviously we're not going to grade each running back but let's talk about the running back unit as a whole obviously injuries have decimated this unit uh jay ajayi who uh was lost early in the season and uh, when he was healthy, he was running well, but now you've, like we said, got the uh, the triumvirate of Josh Adams, Wendell Smallwood, and uh, and Corey Clement, who have really had a hard time getting the running game going. I, you know, this is not as talented a group as we had last year, but they haven't killed the team, but they also haven't really done a whole lot to help. I'm going to give the running backs a C plus. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm going to go just straight. I might go C minus just because you know Corey Clement has not been you know very good at all. I think Wells Smallwood is just he's fine. Uh, he's he's definitely excelled relative to expectations, but I mean they were so low. I mean that we yeah right. We, we didn't even think he was going to make the team for sure. I mean he was battling for the fourth running back spot, so it's just not saying much. And uh, Josh Adams, you know, has shown some promise here, but it's too it's really too small of a sample size for me to give a high grade just based off of that. And then Darren Sproles, you know, the injury there and again the JGI injury kind of just being disappointing, not necessarily their faults, but overall just haven't been super impressed. So I'll say C minus. All right, I'll let you start off on the wide receivers. All righty. So what do we have here? We have a wide receiver core that was looking terrible at the beginning of the year here when you're playing Kamar Aiken like almost the whole game. Uh, injuries were tough there, but <clears throat> look, Alshon's come back. He's looked even better than last year, which has been great to see. Really? <clears throat> Unfortunately, Nelson Aguilar has not looked very good. Uh, you can kind of mm-hmm. question usage versus uh, is see, it him? To me, that's more what it is with him. Just to kind of interrupt mm-hmm. you for a second, no, I, you know, I, I, I see. You know, they have been trying to use him to help out the running game, or at least to provide deception for the running game with all of the jet sweeps that they're running with him. I mean, it. I know it doesn't, it, I know they're not actually running him every other play on a jet sweep, mm-hmm. but it almost feels that way, the amount that they're doing it. So I think that's part of it is he's just, he's not going down. He's, he's playing horizontal, Yeah. you know, and much. I don't think that's him. It's too much horizontal. You can't get into a flow that way. I think a little bit is him just because when you look at how bad the numbers are, like I think you have to give some of it to the player. Oh, absolutely. Um, and I, I don't think he's been as elusive, maybe. I don't know. But, um, yeah, I think that's true. Um, but, yeah, I think I think it can go on both sides. So you look at them. Um, Jordan Matthews has come in here and been you know pretty good for what you probably like realistically would have expected. I don't you know, I still don't think he's this great player, but I think he relative to expectation, he's performed pretty fine, pretty well. Um, certainly better than like, you know, if you had kept Kamar Aiken around. So uh, right. that's good. Shelton Gibson has been a huge disappointment. The fact that this team needs big plays and he can't even get on the field is like, 
I mean, I don't even, it's a point where like you can't even fully blame the coaching staff because you have to feel like he is just not doing something that's giving them the confidence to put him out there. So uh, that's very disappointing. So overall, uh, I look at this group, um, I probably say hmm, maybe C plus just because I really like what Alshon has done and I feel good about that. But uh, you know, if I'm adding the Golden Tate trade, and I'm, I'm I know it's I know it's not what we're doing here because we're doing report card of what we've right, seen so right, far. Right. But if we're projecting to the future, I mean, I'm willing to bump that up to like a B position getting Tate. I think that makes a significant difference. But for what we've seen now, I'm just going to say C plus. Yeah, I think the I think uh, the the future is definitely brighter for the rest of the season with the wide receiver core. But Alshon Jeffrey gets an A plus, obviously, and so that will bring up the overall grade. But I'm going to go with a C for the wide receivers for a lot of the reasons that you just mentioned. All right, BLG offensive line, offensive line. Uh, you know, been a tough year in terms of you know Jason Peters constantly in and out of the lineup. Uh, Lane Johnson now is banged up. Um, you had a left guard who got benched a couple games into the season with Wisniewski out of the lineup and now back in at times with Isaac Samalo having to shift out to tackle. Um, Jason Kelsey has been awesome, arguably still the best center in the game, despite the fact yep. he's clearly dealing with some kind of groin issue. Um, Brandon Brooks has been solid as ever. Um, Peters isn't what he used to be, but I still think he is clearly a at least an average starter, I, I would say, even though some may not feel that way. Uh, Lane's been relatively disappointing, not a total disaster. I think, uh, you know, the, the strip sacks kind of make it look a little worse than it's been. Uh, he was still playing at a very high level overall. And the fact that, you know, he had that high ankle, high ankle sprain on the short week against the Giants and he and he toughed that out and he did it again. Uh, in the Panthers game, um, I, I, you know, I got to give him some credit for that. So overall, um, I guess I'm going to say B minus for that unit because mm. it hasn't been great, but I don't think it's been downright terrible. And I think honestly, uh, after watching, rewatching the Jags game a little bit, I, I was talking to this about uh, to Kist on the post game show. I was like, it wasn't me, or did the offensive line feel like you know they were getting some good movement in that game? And they were against a, a yeah. tough Jaguars front in playing with like guys out of position and the line shifting all around. So uh, overall, not great. And maybe it's a little high, but I'll say B minus. Yeah, I'll, I'll go a little lower, but I'll say C plus. I'm kind of in the same area as you are. I think um, we expected a little more from Jason Peters, although maybe our expectations were uh, a little bit too high for a guy who is getting much older and obviously dealing with the injuries that an older player would have to deal with. But man, that guy is a warrior just gutting it out every week. And uh, same with Lane Johnson, who, again, dealing with a lot of injuries, but he hasn't performed quite as well. A lot of that is probably due to the injuries. And Jason Kelsey, PFF has him as the number one center in football so far this year. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they've done a good job in in the run game at times, but not all the time. It's just been inconsistent. So that's why I'm going C-plus with the offensive line. It just has not been the unit that it was last year, even though you return basically the entire offensive line. Uh, let's flip the script. Let's go over on the defensive side. And obviously, one of the strengths of this team, BLG, the defensive line. What's, what is what is your grade for this unit? Um, It's, hmm, it's tough. Um, Brandon Graham has been coming back, working off of that injury. He still is, ranks high um, in the league in terms of pressures but you're, you know we're not seeing that necessarily manifest in the form of sacks which is always important um fletcher cox has been a beast an animal probably one of the best seasons arguably he's ever had um he's been awesome that's great 
you're getting nothing else out of the defensive tackle position, which is a huge, you know, mark against them in that regard. Uh, it's been a tough defensive line situation. You know, obviously you're, you, you've been missing Derek Barnett. He's out for the season now. Um, that kind of affects the rotation. Again, Brand, uh, Brandon Graham was late there, you know, to come back into the offseason here to have that ankle surgery. Um, Chris Long's kind of been relatively quiet, I think. Like not he has been. Not like uh, he's terrible now and he sucks, but just like you're not. But again, it's it's tough though because he has to play more now, so it's it's kind of just a tough situation. I think Michael Bennett has been really good. Yeah. Um, so I can't give this unit less than a, a C just because I think he's been so good uh, and Fletcher Cox has been so good. But I guess I'm kind of just going, man. I guess I'm just going like B, straight up B here. Um, I don't think they've been the total difference makers that they need to be. And it's been tough for them. It's tough to grade them because I think quarterbacks are just getting the ball out so quick against them. And, yeah. and I think that kind of should be a, you know, a notch in their favor. They're clearly affecting the other offenses by that token. So they should get some credit for that. But um, I guess we just haven't seen the dominating pressure, like the dominating uh, defensive line that we were used to seeing last year. And again, the fact that you're just getting like, literally nothing uh, at defensive tackle outside of Fletcher Cox is kind of disappointing. So maybe I'm being a tough grader here, but I guess I'll just say B. I'm going to go even tougher. I'm going to say B minus because I do think that we have seen, especially in the fourth quarter in games, we've seen the pass rush disappear at times and at the worst time when you need pressure on the quarterback the most. We've seen teams have way too much time to throw in the pocket. You know, we saw it in, in again ten, against Tennessee. We saw it against Carolina. Um, it was just at the defensive line has not been getting there as as consistently as they should late, which is, again, part of the reason is getting the ball out quickly. As you mentioned, the Eagles playing softer coverage and, you know, making it easier for quarterbacks to get the ball out. But also when you're using a rotation like the Eagles have and like, granted, the defensive tackle position does not have a whole lot there. So you're not rotating a lot of guys in there. Fletcher Cox is just having to play all the time. Um, but in the fourth quarter, that's when your defensive line should be eating a lot more than it has been. So I'm going to just ding him just a little bit less. I'll start off with the linebackers here. And, you know, I think we've seen from Jordan Hicks over the last three weeks. I think he's been much more active, but I will say too, that I, I know teams play more nickel now than they ever have before. Uh, the, but the Eagles just, the linebacking core is invisible a lot of weeks, BLG. We talk a lot about the defensive line, and we talk a lot about the secondary, but we never say anything about the linebackers because because they do play in a lot of nickel, and I realize that. But I just, you know, aside from the occasional Jordan Hicks play, there's just not a lot happening from the linebacker core. And we saw what a guy like Luke Keekley can do, how much he can disrupt the game. And the Eagles obviously don't have anything like Luke Keekley. That's just not that's just not a position yeah, they've ever put that <laughs> Yeah, right, exactly. But the Eagles have also never been a team that's put a lot of emphasis on the linebacker position. They focus on the defensive line and, you know, on on a set on a secondary that you basically hope the defensive line is not having to force your secondary into doing a whole lot. So I'm gonna give the linebacking linebacking core a C plus here just because I think they've been largely invisible here in 2018. What about yeah, you? I don't think that's necessarily the worst thing because it's not like, um, you know, they're like, oh, man, they're just, they can't cover anyone, and we're seeing them yeah. get uh, burned over and over, and, and, and they would be much further from invisible in that sense. But I get what you're saying. Uh, I don't think they've been anything like super – 
exciting to write home about. Uh, Hicks had that really big play in week six to, you know, to force that interception early in the Giants game, which really set the tone for that one. So that, you know, that was a big play. Um, he was also pretty good in week one, too. I remember, you know, obviously sacking yeah. Matt Ryan. So he's had some moments. Uh, he even had a couple sacks in this past game. He also gave up that big play later in the game on, seemed like it was like a pick play, kind of tough spot there. But, uh, I can't say they've been terrible, but I also can't say they've been great. So I was thinking like B, B minus, C plus. Like I'm, I'm in that range with you. Okay. Uh, secondary, uh, real quick. Let's just. Uh, what do you say about the secondary? I mean, it has <laughs> been. Listen, this is a D unit right now. I mean, wow. it's just they don't have they don't have the talent. I mean, that's yeah. just clear. They don't have talent back there. Um, I, I don't know that the scheme has helped them out a lot, especially late in games, but. I have zero confidence in the secondary, and a lot of it is injury related. But you know they're not making, they're not getting turnovers either. BLG and some of that's luck, but some of it is they're just not making plays on the ball. They're not, they're not getting their hands on the ball. They're not getting interceptions, and the defensive line has been doing a, a good enough job, at least in the first three quarters of games, to to allow the secondary to kind of make some plays. But it's been an unimpressive unit. I I got to give the secondary a D. Yeah, I think I'll go D plus just because you know. Um, Dale Mills had a good game against the Colts. Like the, the secondary has had moments. I think Ronald Darby overall on the whole is actually having a, an okay year. I think he's had some, he has had some good moments as well. Malcolm Jenkins was huge in that Titans game. He was, I mean, if they won that game, I think that game would be like, wow, look how dominant like Malcolm Jenkins was. It's kind of a shame. They wasted his performance there because he was so clutch and he was a big reason they were even in that game late. So uh, there's been moments. I don't want to say like, it's just been like a disaster and they've never looked good at all. And the fact that you're getting like competent play at a, Avante Maddox is impressive and Ronnie McLeod I know he got hurt what in week three so he didn't play very much but he was looking he was having a really good season I thought yeah it, losing McLeod was such a killer I mean that just really submarined everything so I can't say like you know I can't go F or like D minus I'm gonna I'll, I'll go D plus all right that's fair and uh let's uh real quick let's do uh Doug and um and Schwartz here uh, we'll start off with Schwartz. What What is your grade for the Eagles defensive coordinator? Oh, it's tough because it's such like a nuanced conversation to talk about this Eagles defense because, I mean, you know, pro football focus comes out and it's like, oh, they're they're <laughs> the fourth best defense. And it's like, that doesn't feel right <laughs> because you look at how they've given up some big leads here in these games and, you know, you can't be like, oh, yeah, this is definitely like the fourth. This defense is great. They're awesome. But when you look at the context of the league, I mean, they're they're not a terrible defense in that sense. And even I think DVOA, they're like 16th. So they're like oh, you're yeah. around the middle of the pack. They're not, they're not a flat-out bad defense. But I just also don't think they're – I don't think they're a top-five unit. I don't think they're that good. I don't think they're an elite defense by any means. Um, so – uh, it's tough. I just feel like overall, um, the, the discussion on him gets a little too, uh, it gets a little too harsh. I guess thing is sometimes like people are like, oh, fire him. Like, no, like I, I don't yeah. think people realize that. Um, again, like that defense for, it's just clearly not easy to play in the NFL, especially like how the game has gone. And when you look at Jim Schwartz's past. I think five seasons strictly as a defensive coordinator, not talking about as a head coach, just strictly as a defensive coordinator, he's had a top seven unit all of those five years. So, like, how can you just be like, oh, this guy sucks? I know you get frustrated at, at the lack of blitzing or whatever, but, like, the results are there. 
to a, to a large part. So I can't say he's been horrible. At the same time, I don't think like how many games have we seen here where, where Jim Schwartz is just totally out scheming the other offense, you know, like, oh man, you know, Schwartz just has, he's in their heads, you know, like he, he, right. uh, we haven't seen that. So I can't say like he's been this uh, master coach. I guess I feel like for him, like uh, a C plus is fair. Yeah, I think that's fair, too. I, I would say a C-plus as well. I, I don't, you know, one of my criticisms of Jim Johnson back in the day was that they couldn't get pressure on a quarterback other than to blitz. You know, <laughs> they blitzed too much. And so when teams would, would be able to pick up their blitzes, like going a guy like they'd face a guy like Peyton Manning when he'd see every blitz coming a mile away, the Eagles defense would get torched. Here you've got the exact opposite. You've got a guy who won't blitz only wants to get pressure with the front four. And, you know, a lot of times that burns him too. The injuries in the secondary have really hurt this team, really hurt this defense, and it's affected how Jim Johnson can scheme. I will say, though, that I don't know. I agree with you. I don't think he's been overly inventive in trying to figure out ways um, to beat teams other than with the scheme he's used to. So I think I'll go with you. I think I'll go with a C plus. And um, real quick, Doug Peterson, head coach of your Philadelphia Eagles, 4-4 four and four through the first half of the season. What's your grade for Doug? He's had a very interesting first half. I think it's a B minus. I think it's, you know, the offense hasn't been awesome, but is that really because of Doug? I don't think so. I don't think it's been just play calling here. I think it's, I think play calling, especially against the Jaguars was actually looking better. And when you consider that the Eagles got at least a, uh, I think it was three, uh, it was at least three chunks of 30 plus yard gains against the Jaguars defense that was allowing like the fewest in the league. So very encouraging to see there heading into the bye, And the fact that, you know, early in the season, the Eagles are working again without like, their top two running backs and Darren Sproles and Jay Ajayi. You know, they're missing Mike Wallace and Alshon Jeffrey and even Mac Hollins is out. So they're without three of their top four wide receivers. Um, there's obviously been some offensive line issues in here. You look at all those things. You have a quarterback coming off an ACL injury. Uh, there's there's certainly been moments where you've questioned what Doug is thinking. The the Tennessee game sticks out still where uh, yeah. he is not. He runs the ball late in the first half instead of taking a right. shot to the end zone. Like there's don't get me wrong. There's definitely been moments where Doug hasn't been great here but I think overall uh I still feel good about Doug and I'm going to give him a B minus because I think it's just kind of been a tough situation here uh I still have a fairly good amount of confidence in him yeah I'll go a little bit higher I'll say a B for Doug I I I am it is interesting I think he hasn't been as aggressive as he was last year at certain times but you know again like you said personnel injuries play a big part of it and I also think this offense has been forced to score on long fields all season long. The defense has not put them in positions to score easy, quick touchdowns on short fields for much of the season too, which happened a lot last year. And that's why the offense was able to do what it did. Um, I, I don't, I don't know that they're scheming Nelson Aguilar exactly the, the best way. And obviously there was no way they were going to be able to maintain the third down conversion rate and the, the red zone conversion rate they had last year, but it, it also has slipped a little bit more than I think I thought it would. So, but I, I think overall Doug has done a good job and he, I think he's, you know, you look at some of the, you look at Carson's numbers and Alshon's numbers and Zach Ertz's numbers. And, you know, this is, a, this is a unit that can score some points. And I think Doug has done a, an okay job there. So I'll give him a B as well. All right. Uh, real quick, let me just run down the NFC East schedules looking ahead here in the second half. The Eagles will start off with the three and four Cowboys. Then they get the Saints at six and one. Um, boy, that's, whew, 
that will be a tough one. Giants at one and seven after that. Then the Redskins at five and two. The Cowboys at three and four. The Rams, of course, undefeated right now at eight. No, they get a revitalized Texans team at five and three. And then the Redskins at five and two. BLG, that's one, two, three, four, five of their final eight games are against teams with a winning record. Mm. However, uh, you compare that to Washington, just one of their final <laughs> eight games is against a team with a winning record, and that is the Texans, yeah. who, who they play in a couple of weeks. Uh, they have uh, they get the Jaguars and the Titans uh, still, and the Buccaneers still on their schedule. And hey, mm. listen, the Eagles lost to the Bucks and the Titans, so we can't complain about schedules here. The, the Eagles blew their chances against those teams, and maybe Washington will do the same. Uh, and then finally, looking at the Cowboys, they have the uh, Eagles, Falcons, Redskins, Saints, Eagles, Colts, Bucks, and Giants. So uh, just two teams left uh, on their schedule with a winning record, the Redskins and the Saints, although hopefully by that time the Eagles will, of course, have a winning record as well. Um, but definitely, uh, looking at that schedule, Washington seems to have the easiest road ahead, although, you know, I'm not convinced Washington's going to go, you know, what, you know, I'm not convinced they're going to go six and two, yeah, five and three in the final eight. You know, I watch this team play almost every week. BLG, mm-hmm. that offense doesn't score. Yeah, you talk about the Eagles' offense not scoring. Washington's offense doesn't score. Yeah, they're not a juggernaut by any means. And no, Alex Smith again. He's he's a, he will raise their floor, like we said going into this year. But he's he also limits their ceiling. Like he's not. Yeah, he, he's not going to just turn into. <clears throat> like an MVP player down the stretch, right? Like, like, at least right. based on his career this far, it's just not going to happen. And look, this is not <clears throat> an easy stretch at all for the Eagles here down here. But I mean, <clears throat> if I had to say how many games they win out of these final eight here, uh, I think I think they can win. I think they can win. At, I mean, at least four. At that point, you're eight and eight. Um, yeah. But you know they get Washington twice, so if you beat them twice, that's huge. Like, that's, yeah, that's, you might win it. Nine that. and seven might be enough if you do. Yeah, that. you have the head-to-head tiebreaker at that point, and that's that's big. So I think that's. <clears throat> I mean, it's very simple to say, but that's what it comes down to here. Like, you might even be able to lose these Saints and Rams games, and that'll be fine. Like, just take care of business in the division, and you know that Texans team comes into town. I don't think they're like they're what on a four or five game winning streak right now. Five, it, five game winning. It's streak. like it's like, that's such a weird like they're not that good, man. Like they're no. they're they're playing better, but like that's that perplexes me. Like they're this is not, and I think they play a bad team this week. Like they could easily advance to like six wins. So anyway, um, and that game will be in Philly. So uh, yeah, I, not, I, I just, not a lot of worry there. Yeah, I, I I think they can. I think they can win five here. Um, Maybe they. I, I think they. I think this Eagles team has the potential to sweep the division. Like, like I know that's not a, oh. a gimme, but I think because I just don't think anyone in the East is that unbeatable. I think the Washington game will be hardest to do that in. Clearly, mm. but I think it's on the table. I don't think it's it's out of the question. No, it's definitely on the table. Uh, this is not a strong division by any means. But uh, and just another know. thing, real quick. Like the good thing about where the Eagles are if you want to spin it this way, is that if they make the playoffs, they will have deserved it. And that, that's kind of cool. Yeah. It's not like they, they yeah. can't back in. Like, they're not going to back into the playoffs. Like if they, True. If they make this thing, they it's because they're going to be playing well and they will be a hot team. So that's something to look forward to going into the playoffs. It's not going to be like, oh, right. the playoffs all around and like, like it's like even last year when they had a better record, it was like, oh man, Foles is not looking good. I don't know how I feel about this. Whereas like, you know, you go into it this year, if they're going to make the playoffs, it's going to be like, wow, the Eagles, they're just so hot in the second half and they're going into the postseason and they're the team that no one wants to play. So you can kind of spin yeah. it like that. 
Yeah, you don't have to be the one seed necessarily. Getting that first round by sure is nice, but you know we've seen lots of teams win three playoff games to get to the Super Bowl. Um, real quick, let's run down some NFL picks here, BLG, to wrap things up. Uh, we'll start off with the two NFC East games because you have the Giants on the bye this week. Although you know, really, who cares about the Giants at yeah. this point? Uh, but you got Atlanta at Washington. Uh, Washington is a one and a half point favorite against the Falcons. Who do you like in that one? Man. Um... I'm going to be a sucker and take Atlanta because um, I just think the Col- or the Falcons are more desperate, you know, to stay alive in the, in the NFC South there. Mm-hmm. Uh, very tough with the Saints and the, and the um, Panthers ahead of them. But I just think they're going to be the more desperate team. Um, they're coming off of their bye, if I'm not mistaken. Um, maybe I am. Um, um, not sure. I th- I'm Should not probably sure. look this stuff I, up. But um, I feel like they played last week, but I, I, I'll I'll double check. Um, yeah. So uh, I just I think they they have what it takes on the road. I, I think they've been a little bit unlucky to start the season here. Um, they did no. So they played. They last played on Monday Night Football against the Giants. So they they did okay. have their bye. So that's another thing working in their favor. They should be well rested mm-hmm. here. And I just think. You know, Washington's won three in a row. I just think they're kind of due for a loss here. Like, I don't think they're like, yeah. as good as that 5-2 and two record makes them seem to be. So I will take the points here. I will take the points as well. I, I agree with you for almost the exact same reasons. I don't think Washington is as good as their record. I think they've been kind of uh, doing it through mirrors a little bit here. So uh, I definitely I agree with you. I think the Falcons coming off the bye goes into Washington. It's about, you know, Washington's overdue for a crippling home loss. So I feel like this is going to be that loss. <laughs> um, Dallas also plays at home this week. They host the Titans. Uh, Dallas is a five-point favorite to me, BLG. You know, why is it that Tennessee played the Eagles so tough and they've just <laughs> laid down against everybody else? Yeah. But Dallas is a five-point favorite. <sighs> Do we think that Dallas is back? Do we think that Dallas might actually be decent now? Because I got to tell you, I feel like Dallas can cover this. I would have to probably take the Cowboys in this one. I, I, to me, it's not even about that. I think the Titans are just – they're pretty garbage, man. And yeah. like, they got shut out a couple weeks ago. And we so lost like, to this team. So, we lost to this team, So how man. can you like – if they can't even score any points in a game, how can you expect them to just come in and, and uh, yeah. you know keep it within – Five years. So, um, I mean, this they do have a little bit of fight in them, uh, but uh, man, they're spunky. Yeah, I just I don't see it. I, I think I think the Cowboys are going to win, unfortunately, and it'll set up uh, Eagles and Cowboys both being four and four heading into that week 10 Eagles Cowboys game. Oh, man, it's going to be such a big matchup. Let's run down uh, three uh, three other games real quick. There's some really good games on the schedule here on Sunday. you got the Steelers at the Ravens. Ravens fi- favored by three points. The Ravens, pretty good football team this year here so far, BLG. Joe Flacco seems to uh, want to keep his job. And, uh, you know, you've got the Steelers who I think now resigned to moving on without Le'Veon Bell for the entire season. Maybe that's the way it was anyway. But, you know, I these Steelers-Ravens games are always really rough matchups. Mm-hmm. And... I think this is a game Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, they just don't play as well on the road. Tough to go into Baltimore and beat the Ravens in this matchup. I, I like the Ravens to, with the points. What do you think? I will ring the bell because I just oh. I feel like the Ravens aren't going to sweep the Steelers. Uh, Baltimore's been struggling a little bit lately. Joe Flacco has kind of lost a little bit of his luster recently. Okay, I think the Steelers kind of have their mojo back too. So 
I'm going to take the Steelers with the points, and that would be great here if the um, the Ravens lose again because the Ravens would be 4-5 and five at that point. It would be tougher for them to make the playoffs. That's important with the Eagles owning their second-round pick. We want the Ravens to pretty much oh, lose right. as much as they can here because and especially stay away from the playoffs uh, because that helps that second-round pick be better. And it's even more important now, obviously, with the Golden Tate trade and not having that third-round pick. So mm. I'm hoping I'm right here. I'm hoping the Ravens lose. All right, go Steelers. Uh, you've got the Rams at the Saints. What a game this is going to be uh, later in the day. Uh, Rams are one-point favorites at New Orleans. I feel like the Rams are due for a loss here. This team, I yeah. just don't. They're not. I don't think they're going undefeated. This feels like a great spot for the Rams to lose their first game of the season. BLG. I'm going to take the Saints. I agree with you. The Rams are undefeated, but they've they're not invulnerable. Like they've come close yeah. in some of these past for like a month now. They played some them close games. They obviously got very lucky that Aaron Rodgers didn't get the ball last week. Oh yeah. Very just a disaster. I mean, come on. What are you doing, Ty Montgomery? Take uh, a knee, dude. I, I love that they just traded him out of spite. There's <laughs> like I know, right. Here. F that guy. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I feel like Rodgers was like definitely the driving force behind that trade too. He's like, yeah. get this guy. Like he's gone. Like you, you, you mess with me, you're out of here. So um, I like the Saints at home too. Uh, and it's basically a pick them, but you know, if they're getting a point. I mean, yeah. hey, I'll take it. Maybe there's a tie. Who knows? Um, yeah, I think the Saints are honestly just, you know, they could be uh, the better team here. Um, yeah, so I'll go with them. Okay, last one. Packers at Patriots. Patriots favored by six, playing up in Foxborough. I really feel BLG like the Packers lost their chance to really make some noise yeah. last week. And I don't know that they'll have a whole lot left. I mean, that was a tough game to lose that game against the Rams, against an NFC opponent. Now you got to go into New England to take on the AFC champions. I mean, Rodgers versus Brady, I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah. But this feels like a game where the Patriots pull away pull away in the end. So I'll take the Patriots in the six points. Yeah. Um, man. It's a big line. Yeah, it is a big you know, line. Rogers Rogers, you know, getting six points, it's tempting. Yeah, I mean, Rogers getting nine points last week was like crazy to me. I was like, this is right. This is that a, was an easy one. Yeah, this is a yeah. lock to take the Packers. I mean, like yeah. he's at least gonna keep it to a one possession game. Like, come on. Um Right. Uh so uh I will take the Patriots here. I agree. I just, I don't think like, I think it's gonna be tough, like back to back weeks to like to go into LA and to have that game and then to, to, to then go on the road again across the other side of the country up in Foxborough where, you know, it's tough to play in Gillette stadium typically for those road mm-hmm. teams in those primetime spots against Tom Brady. Like, you know, Tom Brady's going to be extra juice for this game as is Aaron Rodgers. but like, come on, like he, he, Brady has to like, you know, cement his legacy as the best here with Rodgers coming to town. He's going to be extra amped for this one. And I do think the Patriots win. I just don't, you know, outside of Rodgers, clearly the Packers just aren't very good. So yeah. I think that'll show itself here. All right. Well, BLG, we don't have an Eagles game to look forward to on Sunday. Right. I think this is a game a week where we can all just relax a little bit and just kind of watch the rest of the league and take it easy and get our Sunday night football a week from Sunday when the Eagles uh, get back into action. The Dallas Cowboys, hopefully well rested and um, recovered from some injuries. Any final thoughts before we wrap up episode 18 here, buddy? Just rate, review, and subscribe as always on iTunes. We really appreciate it. Up to 533 ratings. We are up to 208 reviews. So that's awesome uh, considering this feed just got started back in August. So really appreciate it. Uh, Please continue to do so. We'd love the feedback. 
Again, always give us, if you want to see something new, give us ideas. We'll steal them. We won't give you any credit. It'll be great. Um, <laughs> Please kidding. don't make fun to, of uh, my voice here uh, on the podcast. And yeah, if you want to make fun of John's voice, if you want to tell us uh, things you hate and we shouldn't do, just you know, any feedback you want to give us, but as long yeah. as it's five stars, just you, know, you can give us a negative, <laughs> like uh, give us a criticism or whatever, or constructive in the comments, but give five stars. So uh, just that's all I have. Absolutely. And uh, I will certainly be looking forward to a, a week where we can just kind of relax and recharge the batteries and get ready for the second half of the Eagle season here, which hopefully will result in a playoff run. But that'll do it for this episode of BGN Radio, episode number 18. For Brandon Lee Gowton, I'm John Stolnes. Uh, everybody, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. Hey guys, this is John Stolnes from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season. Man, the 2018 season was, well, it was interesting anyway, and the upcoming offseason looks to be even more interesting. So if you want to stay up to date on all things Phillies this offseason, subscribe to The Good Fight podcast feed and get my podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk, looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. And you'll get bonus podcasts every time big news is made with the team. Seriously, if you want to stay up to date on everything revolving around your favorite baseball team as they return to contention, make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed.